0: Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Music Cast Podcast. Today we have a little bit of a different one. This is the first—is this the first one that we've published that we're all in the same room for? I
1: think so. This is fun. I
0: think it is. So we have two special guests, a um, little bit different for the closing week of our Jazz Appreciation Month, and have you go one at a time and introduce yourselves, uh, say what you play, and why don't you give us—since you're both seniors, you can give us your plans for future music-related activities—
2: um, my name is Eric Rogers. I am um, I'm in twelfth grade. I play percussion, slash, violin. Um, I plan to go into classical percussion performance in college.
0: Do you have an idea of where you're going, or? Oh, uh, I uh
2: I. still so deciding. I think. Undecided. Westchester,
0: yeah. Westchester leading. Yeah.
3: My name is Greg Masters. I am a drummer. Uh, I plan to uh, get a jazz performance degree at Temple University and pursue a career in jazz performance.
0: Awesome, so um, from my perspective, so these are two of our students from our school, we didn't pull from any other schools, but these are both of my jazz ensemble drummers. These are kids that have been involved in jazz since they've been here as freshmen. So it was nice to pull them in and talk to them a little bit with insight in terms of what they do from a jazz perspective. Um, I have a handful of questions for both of you and then specific ones and individual ones for you. Um, earlier in the month, we talked with someone about improvisation and how that works in terms of things. And one of the main things we wanna talk about today was transcription. Um, so Greg, you've done a lot of transcription. You do a lot, you send a lot of videos back to me in terms of transcriptions that you've done. Why do you do them?
3: Um, I I pulled off transcribing for a long time. A mentor of mine, Anthony Tabe, was really like hard on, on all of us at the program. Um, <laughs> to to transcribe and you know I didn't really understand the benefits of it until I did my first one it was really really hard and uh, my drum teacher Doug Herlinger he made me uh, not made me but I had to write it out and then I had to you know learn it and then I had to play it and and, and record it and um, the first one was really hard so I did I put I put off like doing it but once I started doing it um immediately after the first one the vocabulary that I got from it and and just the knowledge that I got from it I mm-hmm. I, I I feel like I could sight read better just after like notating each one and being wrong like so many times and like going back and 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 rewriting it and um so yeah I got vocabulary from it I think I got like some sight reading you know chops so to speak from it
0: So I think there's a misconception about transcription that goes through a lot. And I think transcription as we know it and we approach it most generally in a jazz standpoint is you take a solo that someone performed and you put it in and you write it out. Um, That's a lot of what you're doing. And I think the benefit there is that upper level stuff you're talking about, getting vocabulary, the sight reading is awesome. I think um, when we spoke about improv, one of the challenges of improv is people get terrified of making things up On the spot and I think that what I've noticed about you especially this year is when you you kind of plan out what you're gonna do and how you're gonna do it and I would assume that it's it makes sense to say that you get a lot of what you use in your solos from these transcriptions that you do is that fair to say yeah yeah Which is, it's um, one of the things I think is great that comes out, and this is more of a win player perspective, is so if Greg's doing something and he finds like a lick or he finds a rhythm or a setup that he really likes on the set, from a win perspective, you might practice a line. And I think that a lot of people say, I do that and then I just learned Charlie Parker solo and that's all I did and it's done and over with. But the next level of that is see what it sounds like on different drums or play it on a horn in different keys. So then that way, if this is a good setup for an impact point of a solo, you can use it on the toms, you can use it on the cymbals, you can use it in E-flat, you can use it in F, you can do whatever. Um, It's that next step that I think is underappreciated.
3: I think there's even a step beyond that too, after you imitate that and you can imitate it, you know, like you said, like in all different keys or on drums, you can imitate all different toms. There's a point where after you're done all that and you're very fluent, you get to like make it your own. You know what I mean? And you know, there's conflicting ideologies some people I think, think that making it your own comes later, you know what I mean? You have to imitate immediately, you know what I mean? Imitate for a long time before you're able to, uh, you know, make it your own. But there's also another, um, you know, school of thought where once you learn something, you know what I mean? You have to apply it to you and, you know, make it your own. I think there's another way, you, can, you know, another step that you can take even
0: after that. Do you agree... So when you say it like that, and people think that you have to imitate for a long time, and Eric, I want your opinion on this too, do you think that that's a common idea of like, you have to put in the time or kind of like suffer through learning? It's kind of like the idea of scales where you have to like put your time in and suffer playing it these specific ways before you actually get to apply it in a way that matters to you. Is that like a, is that a belief that you feel like comes across in some circles when you're practicing jazz or even just classical?
3: Yeah, I think that there's a lot, you know, like I said, I think there's, there's kind of two schools of thought. But I think the one, I think a lot of, like, traditional, like, straight-ahead players will will go with the, the first one, you know what I mean, where you have to imitate for a long time and get all that vocabulary. And, um, you know, like Terrell Stafford uh, said at Temple, we were, um, we, I had a meeting with him uh, and some other prospective students. And he said that when you come here, he wants to be able to, like, hear who you're, like, studying, you know what I mean? That's, like, a huge, a lot of people think that, you know, you, you, you should be able to, like, people should be able to hear who you're studying, who you're checking out, you know what I mean? So They have to imitate before, you know, applying that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, Eric, for you, one of the things that you do with transcription a lot that I think is awesome, um, and it's a slightly different frame of mind is, Greg's doing some of the solo transcriptions, but what I've seen you do a lot is, especially for quarantine, you had these, you actually both did them, but you sent more of them. You had these arrangements of tunes um, that you did and you would combine um, you'd combine like the violin, the percussion, and you would put all these elements together. That in and of itself is inherently transcription, right? Because you're listening to recording and you're going through. What What benefit did you find in doing that?
2: Um, honestly, because so it gave me like, actually like widened my view of like whole like songs and like applying them to like a symphony kind of, like all different, because I only like could play like, keyboard, like percussion and violin. So like, Trying to like figure those out, and, like putting those as like covering every instrument, say in like a band or orchestra.
0: So it actually like widened my view, of, like musicality. I would say. But, so, you know. so what does it do for you to listen to a song that has vocals, and then you listen to a vocal line, and you go, "I have to find a way to put this on violin." Like, what are the? If you had to walk through that process, what's the? What are the things you're doing to turn a vocal line into the, a violin part? Um, <laughs> just re- repetitive listening, I guess. Um,
2: I guess putting it on ear is one thing but like if you want to sometimes you know write it down that's like it, it's not that hard to find and you could just like but like with the harmonies and stuff you also like it's just by ear kind of thing.
0: Do you think that as both of you are because this is both of your first year of theory right this is yeah. the first year you took theory do you think the transcription stuff has helped your process in terms of... I know in theory you do a lot of aural listening and do the chord progressions and things like that. Do you think that you've seen benefits in, um, benefits in transcription bleed into other aspects of your, your playing and your music?
2: Yeah, I do a lot. Cause like the whole like part writing thing, um, like the stepwise motion and like certain things, cadences is a big thing. So like ending a song is like now like way more simple and like the whole like keychains and chord progression is a huge thing that I never really realized before, but now I could put that in the aspect. It just makes everything so much clearer.
0: I think to my, or to your credit, the thing that I enjoy most and I'll miss most when you guys graduate is I think that um, the joke that was always told to me when you were in, when I was in high school is the idea of um, calling percussionist drummers or calling drummers percussionists and this whole back and forth thing. And I think the ability to understand a chord tra- change or a form or exactly how different things in a solo kind of wind down and weave through. Um, it's such a difference between playing set to just play set and playing set musically. And I think the idea of knowing where a form is and how things fall is really interesting in that way. And I think that a lot of what we try and do is imitate vocal because it's all about expression. And that's like the most internal expression we can. But then that's why I was wondering when you do violin, like what steps does it take to make this? You have this extra level of expression in lyrics, and then you immediately eliminate that. And then, how does it like affect and tweak what you do?
3: Do you write when you do the instrumental stuff, Eric? I don't, I don't, I don't know, but do you like write out the parts, or do you like um,
2: do it all by ear? Or well, some parts like that, it's just so if it depends on long, like the verse. If I just, I try to do it all in one go. I mean, I'll have to, but mm-hmm. it's easier that way. It just makes it go quicker. So sometimes it's memory. Sometimes I have to it down on like
0: note or something. so to greg's point that he said earlier how often do you find yourselves when you're doing these projects and you're because i mean at this point i saw you did a handful over quarantine and then you did a couple um you've done a couple throughout the year because you have so many music classes and different things hopping around how often do you go off of an intended like uh arrangement or something how often do you go i want to see what this sounds like if i put this on an accordion or this on a different bass sound? How much do you tweak the sound? Um, I I do, like, so I, if I don't like the sound, I'll just totally redo,
2: like, the part. So it, it in that aspect, it does take a long time because I'm a perfectionist. I kind of, I, <laughs> I want to make it as good as possible, but, you know, but, yeah.
1: I mean, but in terms of how often, you have, like, four or five projects going on in piano class alone right now, mm-hmm. right? So, I yeah. mean, you're doing it all the time and you're adding like unique spins too. So like he played lean on me for, uh, in class yesterday. And he's like, yeah, I, like threw some bongos in at the beginning and it like totally worked. It was so cool and it's just a little different, but you find those little niche areas to do things like that all the time.
0: How much time when you do your transcriptions, do you do that where so we talked about how you're more of the mindset that you'd like to kind of make it your own and experiment and turn it into your own thing. How often do you do that off the cuff versus go, I did this one buddy wrist transcription and now I'm going to move to the next one. Do you just like put them in a file and move on or do you do it and then do you say, now how do I make this my own and tweak it for a while in there?
3: Yeah, um, I, I kind of do things by artist. Uh, right now I'm, I'm kind of in between artists I'm trying to find what the next one. But I did a lot of like Philly Joe Jones transcriptions so i i kind of i mean i did this on purpose but um i kind of i'm taking this approach now where i i've you know transcribed a lot of philly you know philly joe jones stuff and so i got that really like really clean you know what i mean and and all those solos I, i revisit and you know i try and get them sounding good you know what i mean and once that's done i uh i was inspired by uh justin faulkner i saw a thing he was doing on instagram and he said okay like you can play the solo but like can you sound like him you know what I mean and just recently like you know a a couple weeks ago I was like can I sound like him I you know I tried to you know comp like he would you know what I mean and even try to solo like he would and just you know use that stuff that I learned from the transcription uh and apply you know what I mean so like in, in that sense make it my own but but it's
0: still kind of imitating you know what I mean yeah um do you Do you choose them out of what you want to study or do you choose them out of necessity in terms of is it is it based on interest or just topic when you choose your next transcription
3: um it's always on interest uh i I think that and i've gone on a little tangents too where like i'll I'll do like you know philly joe jones is the only one so far that i've actually like gone in and started checking out all this stuff but um i'll listen like wrti and i'll hear like you know I heard Star Eyes, uh, and and he does some training with the drummer. And I was like, Oh like, that's awesome. That's something I could do. I could immediately hear, you know, certain things he was doing. It's like I went home and I also you know, I had to write it out, I had to figure out what he was doing. So it's like always with interest. I think it's important too that especially your first transcription, you should really, you know, really want to do it. You should be like super into that solo, like really wanna learn that solo because that really helped me. You know what I mean because it's fun once you actually sit down and it's addicting too. like once you sit down you know it's kind of hard to just leave you know what I mean and it can be tedious but you know if you don't really like enjoy the soul or like really want to learn it you can talk until I see you just like walking away from it you know what I mean because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of you know it's a lot of time you know for each thing and you're gonna be wrong you know what I mean <laughs> so if you don't absolutely like love the solar, or like really interested in that you know what I mean It might be a lot harder to do I think.
0: And I would say from a from a teacher standpoint if you're an educator listening and you're you're wondering how to broach the topic of transcription with anyone and a lot of this and especially what uh, Greg has done has been jazz and Eric does a little more like pop culture kind of arrangements of different things for younger students or people who are less experienced in jazz um, when Greg talks about if you hear something and you find it addicting I think we normally discuss it and it's common practice to do it as an entire solo, but I think the thing that you can do first is if you have that lick or that like two bar thing that just sounds so cool in terms of how how the drummer set up this next spot or how he connected these two um, times through the form or it's a lick that leads into something that the horn does and working on just that lick because it is tedious and it does take a lot of experimentation and trial and error and trial and error on a eight beats in like that take maybe six seconds is far more approachable than 32 bars over the course of something so i would start with licks first it helps a lot i think too like go someone that's like approachable to you you know what i mean like don't i
3: I chose philly joe jones the first one i did was uh trading he, he trades fours on aloecha off of uh, rob midnight and like I, I chose that one because my teacher was like really on me like you know you, you should really be you know transcribing uh but i picked one that you know it was it was just trading so i had to do the first four bars you know what i mean and that was that was it and it was very i found that song to be very articulate like it starts like a flam you know what i mean and even though it was like simple it was one like one one beat is down you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think it's important to start with something that's like obtainable Especially if you're just starting out, you know what I mean? Like, go with something that you know you can, like, execute, you know what I mean? And you're not going to be, like, ripping your hair out, you know what I mean?
0: And it's a – transcription also doesn't have to be a solo. It can be anything that you're putting to paper or putting into your mind in terms of what you're learning. Um, I have a question. Yeah.
1: So I know in orchestra class, I – more in past years, have the kids do, like – pop projects or composition things or whatever, where they're doing some, you know, basic transcriptions of simple tunes. But in a public school setting where jazz is normally extracurricular, I know of very few programs that are curricular or co-curricular, where are you finding the time to require or encourage kids to do that? And for you guys, I don't think, I mean, are you having them transcribe regularly?
0: not regularly so no
1: where'd you get hooked i know you just said private lessons greg but um i want to know where it came from and where you find the time because in my mind like practicing is already something that i don't necessarily want to do i've never loved practicing and then to think like well gee i've got to figure out how to like what to practice first that's tedious to me so that's a twofold question for all y'all
2: um well I think, honestly, my first time being introduced for it was when Mr. Ferrer had the band do it. My for your master's project? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll so take it. I I'd like learned how to use NoteFlight, and I was like baffled by it. I was like, I didn't know this was a thing. I thought you had to like pay for stuff like this. So, and then, I don't know, I kind of just ran away with it and made like a thing. I was like, wow, this is kind of nice. I think I could actually get into this. And I think it kind of comes naturally, only if I'm in like a mindset of doing it. I'm like, wow, like I want to sit down and do this. And when I do that, I like sit out of like two hours until I'm done. I don't take like any breaks because then I'll like lose
0: my train of thought. I do have to, and I remember, it's weird that you say that because when you, as you said that, it makes me remember yours, your project specifically, because Eric still is, but Eric was huge into like marching percussion stuff. And you were doing, you were doing like a drum line cadence kind of thing. And I remember at one point you had this moment where, you said, "I know exactly what I'm playing, and I know exactly how I want it to sound, and it fits within these these two bars." I have no idea how to write it out, and it was this like cool conversation of how do you take, how do you take someone from, I can play this or I can imitate this, but what does this actually look like written down? So that was it was, it was fun. It was enjoyable. I remember specifically doing it. We were in the auditorium doing it, working on it, and we were talking about like it was something with uh, uh six tuplets. We were trying to like process and figure out how it fit which is very neat to do and rhythmically it was more complicated than maybe you could read but when you're just playing and performing it, it was different. Mm-hmm.
3: I uh, like, like I said before, I, I did the Kimmel Center program, uh, there's a creative program that they offered and uh, there was a huge emphasis on transcription and you know, one of my mentors, Anthony Tidd, was really, really hard about transcription. Um, I remember I was, I was in the, the younger ensembles and he would come in And he'd ask everyone like you know what are you checking out have you transcribed at all and he was really like trying to push us i still didn't (laughs) until my teacher was like you know you should really you should really be transcribing like we we should really check one out
0: i think from an educator standpoint i think the answer to your question is these two and part of the reason we're talking these two is they're the exception because they do it more i would love if and this is, it's totally up to me. I just don't do it as much as I should. And it's how you introduce it. Like, I think that um, at the beginning of the year, any year, I spend so much time trying to work on tuning and intonation. It's one of the reasons I love doing, um, I do a lot of Holst at the beginning because it's so just pure in terms of how it's tuned and how it's balanced. But what I should do is I should spend more time not putting the music in front of them and having all of them play these melodic lines using that tonal center because what i i have found is when we take the moments to do it you start to you start to hear them commit more to tonal tendencies or how things fit or how things are shaped and if they make more of that identification onto things that might they might not necessarily play they pay more attention to form and how things fit within the bubble of it and they're listening for it so the answer from my perspective is i don't do it enough probably the most i've done it is when we did your
1: do you think though like can you fit it into your curriculum because there's this big debate about like we only have so much time and the community and the administration parents they all expect one thing and that's performance however we're sitting here talking about how important things like transcription are and all that kind of stuff but we're out of time so
0: well and that's i think it's a it's a loaded question in that and i'm guilty of this too so i say this like i have the answer to it but i don't because i've fallen victim to it i think it's the we we are a product of what we make it like i can say that i have this concert and i only have so much time and blah 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 but i'm the one that chooses the difficulty of the music that i play and i can pick slightly easier music that does not wane in quality and teach through transcription in some way i just don't because i think and this is this is like a recurring theme that keeps coming back when we talk to guests is the act of transcription is scary for the kids and as it's scary for kids and when you're in a music room and you don't get as much like aural feedback or aural sound coming back from, you, from your teaching, as a teacher, you panic too. So like for me to go, and I mean, especially with percussionists in front and you guys have always been willing to do it, but you know, cause you've been in class, the moment I make anything melodic happen in the back of the room, it's like pulling teeth for a day and a half because people don't feel comfortable at the marimba like they do at a snare drum. Um, and part it has nothing to do with a lack of understanding of melody and how it works it's a lack of understanding of equipment yeah. and that's where that's like a big that's a big struggle and a challenge so I think that do I say I don't do it because I don't have time Probably do I have time I have as much as I would need to do it I just haven't because it's you you fall into the trap of routine the moment you get tired
1: when you did the masters project with them i know it didn't pan out a hundred percent the way we had originally envisioned it to but you did do not one but two spring concerts were they up to par that year even though with this inserted activity in there
0: i'm trying to remember what year it was i don't think it that there's we
1: a, did. you'll never walk alone and that whole thing
0: the combined concert yeah um i think so if anything i did more rep than I did more rep than I usually do uh, in that time, so definitely I think that it was up to par and it worked for what it was. Um, it's it's all it's just it's all about how you manage the time and what you do. And I mean, to be honest, a lot of that comes from um, there's the underlying benefits that you see or you can't necessarily equate. It's not like I'm teaching addition and then I can say you got a ninety-five on this test, so you can add now. It's not like that. It's an idea of when we did the or when we did the composition project, it was write a melody, and then that whole conversation of what harmony goes with this melody was a whole different ballgame that a lot of the kids have never experienced. And if you're depending on if you did like a straight rhythmic uh, composition from the percussion side of things, all of that melody stuff was completely foreign. And then it became this conversation of how do you make things sound good and how do you peel it back and listen? So all of those things came of benefit to their performances later. Um, that was the same year we did, I don't know why we did this to ourselves, but we did Ives. Remember the the America, the Ives. Ives, where it's like London Bridge is falling down uh-huh. and it's like polytonal and stuff like that. And like, it, it was cool to have that conversation after compositional stuff, because there are moments where Literally no one in the room is playing at the same in the same time signature or key signature, and then it snaps back. And it doesn't feel great ever, but to be able to do that and have that conversation with more context and usefulness than we had been able to was very nice. It was good. Um,
1: and just for listeners, I was thinking I was, I was listening to you. If you want to read about the study that was done and what we're referencing, you go to Flat, there's a blog post, I think it's just the title of the study, which is Student Perceptions of a Composition Project at the second in a in a secondary ensemble, I think. But there's also a lot of really great research out there about creative activities by Eric Piazza, who's a PhD candidate at Eastman.
0: Eric freaked so, out when you said his name.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> you know Mr. Piazza. He came to Chamber virtually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has a lot of great research out there on this and time management and all that
0: too. So as we wind down. This is the end of like Jazz Appreciation Month. This will likely be the last episode we do in terms of jazz. So um, we talked mostly about transcription here. But if you had to give an elevator pitch in like a sentence or two of um, what jazz has brought to the table for you musically, what would you tell someone? Why do you jazz? (laughs) That's Uh, a lot to put in an elevator pitch. I um
3: I, I think jazz has given me and I think a lot of other people um a challenge but like a whole new like place to like explore you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you know, up until like sixth grade or whenever someone is introduced to jazz, you know, they're used to like what they hear on the radio, right? And probably like you know, as I was like playing along with that stuff, and then um, you know, and classical and stuff that you do like in school, so and. And depending on you know, you might not be introduced a lot of like improvisation. But when I was first introduced to jazz, it was just like it's almost like information overload. You know what I mean? Like there was so much that like was there. You know what I mean? It's a whole, it's it's a genre. And there's like there's subgenres. And you know, I remember sixth grade kind of being overwhelmed with just the amount of like you know, I was only checking out Buddy Rich. You know what I mean? And the the amount of Buddy Rich tunes there are. You know what I mean? and different versions of tunes and, you know, and then later like checking out other things. And even now, like trying to learn songs, like we were talking about the other day, and there's like, how many versions of all things you are and how many keys and how many time signatures, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just such a a huge, you know, uh, I guess like opportunity or, you know, it's it's really eye-opening, but it, you know, it's just a lot
0: of information, you know what I mean? I like the phrase, information overload, with jazz. I think it makes a lot of sense. And not in a bad way, but it's just like, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) For me,
1: it's in a bad
0: way. (laughs) You do music for a long time, and you could never touch the freedom and exploration of jazz. And then when you get there and go... Well, this is like a whole nother, like yeah. they break every rule to make their own rules and then it becomes a whole new ball game. It's insane. Although I will sure. say
1: I took like an intro to jazz, like a jazz improv class in college because I was like, I want to try something new. I want to learn like because I'm very like classical, blah, blah, blah. It was by far the most eye opening just informational class in general. Like it took all of theory, took like six semesters of theory and snapped it into place for me. Was, like, Holy cow. Yeah, it's really cool.
0: How about you, Eric? Um,
2: I think jazz has like really opened my eyes to like expression of music, because like classical music and everything else, there's no it's just by the book. You don't get to do you really. And even though I'm on like drum set, I'm not like the best at like I could be better, way better. Creativity like jazz is not like my strong suit like Greg here, but like still like, even like listening to people, it carries over to like my violin playing. I guess where I could play by myself and really express like put my own thing into music because like by hearing other people play and like putting their like emotions into music it's like that's where it kind of like got that from
0: so it's not like it's just it really opened up a lot for me so if i would say one thing before we say uh bye and thank you to these two is exactly what eric said in terms of it opens up the idea of expression and I don't disagree in any way with what Eric said that a lot of classical stuff is a little bit more by the book, but to me, I know that there's more expression that's left on the table from the classical side of things. Um, It just seems that sometimes jazz education is just by nature, the approach allows for a little bit more of that creativity and expression. So I would encourage people to start looking at and exploring how jazz does things through transcription, through improvisation and things like that, um, and finds ways to incorporate those into more classical settings because it is only of benefit to students and how they express themselves musically that it works.
1: Yeah. And I'll link up for those of you who are classical folks, there's some great music that's been put out, um, commissioned by public school teachers where like the one requirement was needs to have some kind of jazz element or it has to have some kind of break for improvisation. Um, so there is stuff out there to introduce kids as young as middle school in classical or traditional settings to, to jazz.
3: I think one of the biggest things jazz has taught me is how to listen. You know what I mean? I just thought about that when he was talking about classical music, like, uh, and the whole expression piece, you know, it just kind of taught me like how to listen and like got like my ears in shape. So like I can listen to classical I can, you know, I can hear, you know, what emotions are going on and you know, I can listen to jazz and understand, you know, what they're saying, you know what I mean? Well, jazz is like a,
1: a language in and of itself, you know, like it's, and it's not a language that I necessarily can understand either. So that's why I think it's so interesting to talk about this.
0: Definitely. Thank you, you too. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, thank you.
3: Thank you for having
0: us. Yep. Yo.